Welcome back to the ABGC. Well, here we are. You've made it. The season finale. We hope you enjoy it, and thank you for your support. We fly alone. ABGC, episode 13. Demonstration. Scene. Space Station Exterior. Rico and Terra's fighters are seen leaving the bottom of the space station. Jaws and Rommer's bomber gunship is seen leaving the top of the station, and a moment later, Kit follows in his ship. Kit's ship is matte black and crescent-shaped, with the front curve widely wrapping around the countersunk cockpit section. The back of the curved ship has several jagged notches which house the countersunk engines. The ship has nearly a perfect uniform thickness across its surface, with the exception of an indentation behind the cockpit area. The forward-facing curve of the ship has a concave inlay across its length, the entirety of which is covered with a mesh screen. Camera Rico's Cockpit Rico says, Okay, everyone ready for this? Ready, says Tara. Sure, Rico, Jow says. Yep, Romer says. Absolutely, Kit chimes in. All right, Rico says. I'll radio the mechanic and let him know we are ready to begin. Rico flips a few switches and a section of his dash changes color from blue to orange. Rico to base, ready for instructions. The mechanic responds on the radio. We are green for live fire exercise. Airspace clear and hangars sealed. Proceed to 124 Mark 318 relative core. Acknowledged, Rico says. Proceeding to 124 Mark 318 relative. Rico flips a few switches and a section of his dash changes color from orange to blue. He radios, Terra, we are good to go. Initiate telepathic link. Radio silence on blue until it's over. I'm switching to radio orange to monitor airspace traffic alerts and operational feedback. Got it, Tara says. Rico, my targeting system isn't coming online. I thought you fixed this. Rico responds, I did fix it. The mechanic must have botched the patch. Romer chimes in, yeah, because Jaws was arguing the whole time and wouldn't sit still. You were the one arguing, Jaws says. Enough already, Rico hammers in. Romer, are you online? Yeah, I'm, I'm good, Rico, Romer says. But I can't run the whole ship by myself, you know that. You won't have to, Rico says. Can you just manage basic maneuvers and a few gun turrets? Uh, I don't know, Romer says. Maybe, uh, it, it shouldn't be too bad, I guess. If we offline eight turrets on the left bank and, and shut down the missile target relay... Romer, Rico interrupts. We are almost in position. Can you do it 
or not. Yeah, yeah, Romer says. Okay. Uh, maneuvers and four turrets only. Is that enough? That will be enough, Rico says. The pack attack protocol will only factor available assets into its action matrix. We'll be fine. Kit interrupts. We have reached the requested coordinates. Okay, Rico says. Any minute now. The camera slowly switches from one cockpit to the next, and to the next, showing each pilot intensely focused and staring into space toward the space station. What is taking them so long? Tara says. Kit interrupts. I'm picking up five light fighters just beyond the station horizon line. Dang, those targeting pods sure are convincing. Rico says, this is going to be a wild ride. Tara, I'm initiating the pack attack protocol. Yep, initializing comsync, Tara says. Ah, ah, it's, it's so intense. Camera, four-way split screen showing the cockpits of all four pilots simultaneously. Rico, Tara, Romer, and Kit all give off a ferocious roar as their implants come alive with activity and the pain floods them with adrenaline. Tara's facial crystals begin to glow and the eye implants begin to dance with dots of light. Rico's cooling fans begin to spin and his metal heat sink teeth begin to glow a subtle orangish red. The upper sides of Kit's helmet unlocks and opens. His ears rotate backward on his head slightly and dozens of tiny panels within his ears begin to separate and expand, slightly revealing the mesh screen underneath them. Romer's backpack gives off a dazzling sequence of lights of various colors, as the cockpit around him also shimmers with activity. His backpack display reads, Pack Attack, while Jouse's display still shows Offline. Camera, Outer Space. The four ships begin to change position, taking on a new formation. Kit's ship retreats some distance behind, and slightly below, the other three ships. It then noses up slightly to fine-tune its angle, and it practically vanishes within the dark of space. Four turrets on the bomber jerk to life, each one rotating their twin barrels in fine adjustment, both horizontally and vertically. Terra and Rico's ships both rotate their attitude toward the target slightly and increase distance from each other's ship by about 20%. Then, in perfect unison, all weapons fire. Terra and Rico's ships both fire their right side cannon and three of the four turrets fire on the bomber gunship. The five targets which have yet to reach the halfway point to their competition, fail to induce evasive actions quickly enough, and all disintegrate 
simultaneously in the distance. All pilots speak. Whoa! Jouse's backpack display changes from offline to, holy crap. Kit says with excitement, guys, I could follow all of those targets at once and predict their course corrections, and I was barely even trying. Romer chimes in too, I could see Terra's cannon aiming along with my turrets. Terra says, I could see Kit's battlefield grid view and Rico's ship moving out of the turret line of sight proactively. Rico says, Now that is what I call ammo efficiency. Yes, yes, we all like it, right? Kit responds, Rico, that was incredible! Wait, I I have new contacts. Ten light fighters approaching. Tara says, I want to do that again! Absolutely, Rama responds. Totally, Kit says in excitement. Definitely, Rico says with determination. The ten approaching target fighters split into two waves of five. Within each wave, a few ships speed up while others slow down. Once again, the turrets on the bomber jerk to life and adjust themselves. Rico and Terra's ships fire maneuvering jets adjusting pitch and yaw slightly. Rico and Terra's left cannons fire, along with four of the bomber's turrets. All the fighters that sped up and closed distance first vanish in exploding balls of light. Another quick series of aiming adjustments, more weapons fired, and the remaining fighters are destroyed. You can't be serious, Chow says. They, they never even got a shot off. This is ridiculously amazing. Kit says, before, we could almost always identify them that far away. Just not target them with such precision. Now, we are even predicting individual range of fire based on power signatures and prioritizing on that proximity. You'll see, you'll see. Let's let's do it again. I'm starting to overheat a little, Rico says. Too bad, Rico. Fifteen more on the way. This is amazing, Romer says. Bring it on. The fifteen targets split to form four diamond formations with one formation short one ship. They stagger two by two with the rear two formations off-center from the first, providing unblocked line of sight. Rico and Terra's ship change position, flying to either end of the bomber and rotating 45 degrees facing inward toward the targets. Both guns on Rico and Terra's ship fire, propelling them backward slightly in conjunction with the gunship turrets. The beams of light from the turrets take out four of the frontmost ships, while Rico and Terra's shots take out one front ship and one rear formation ship each. 
Then, Rico's ship goes upward, and Terra's goes down. They rotate on opposite axes and fire again, synced along with the gunship. The remaining fighters explode into shrapnel. Haha. <laughs> I bet all those spectators on the station are pretty impressed now, Romer says. It's not over yet, Rico says. Yep, Rico is right, Kit says. Twenty fighters approaching, and they are not in formation. Looks like it's a frenzy attack. Ha ha ha, this is gonna be awesome, Rico says. I'm going to overheat like crazy, but it's gonna be worth it. Everyone, just focus on the protocol rhythm cycles. Let them keep the tempo of the battle, and we'll be fine. The 20 target fighters begin to close in. Once again, a few adjustments of rotation and pitch, and all the team's weapons fire. Eight fighters explode, and the others scramble. Rico and Terra's ship are now moving independently of each other and dance in front of the bomber. A few more shots fire from the turrets, and a few more of the target light fighters go down. The remaining target fighters begin to fire back. Rico and Terra's ships barrel roll, crossing each other's flight paths in a near miss with amazing precision. They are also passing through the path of shots fired from the bomber's turrets in a lockstep tempo. More turret shots just miss their wings and hit several more target fighters. Four fighters are left, and they collapse into a diamond formation, again heading straight for the bomber's inactive side. Rico and Terra's ship face the formation from opposing sides, rotate on opposite 45-degree angles to align canopy to canopy, matching the diamond formation angle and fire. The four shots eliminate the formation of target fighters entirely. Yes! That was awesome, Tara says. I knew multi-threaded, multiplexed, multi-dimensional matrix mapping was the way to go, Rico exclaims. Dang, I want to play too. Jouse, we'll get it fixed, Rico says. Let's head back to the station. Yeah, Kit says. We have a party to go to. Tara answers, we sure do. This was a huge win. Rico speaks. Terminating protocol. Rico to base. Request docking. Ow! Rico! I was still synced when you terminated. Don't do that. I'm going to have a killer headache. Oh, uh, sorry, Tara. I, I was just excited. The radio responds. Docking request approved. All approach vectors clear. 
ABGC, you are clear for landing. Scene. Locker Room. The doors to the locker room open, and Morik walks in. All the pilots can be seen finishing up putting their beige jumpsuits on. Wow, Jason, that is a fancy outfit, Kit says. Mork answers, ah, yes. Well, thank you. I don't wear this uniform often, that's for sure. Did, did everything go okay? I couldn't see the demo from the targeting pod control bay. The mechanic sure seemed happy with it, though. Yeah, we nailed the demo. It was incredible, Romer says. We had some glitches, but they didn't stop us. Rico's new protocol is amazing, Chow says. Great, Mork answers. Are you ready for the reception? We sure are, Kit jumps in. I can't wait to make new friends. Yeah, let's go already, Tara says. Okay then, Mork says. Let's go. Everyone to the freight elevator. They all walk out of the locker room, and the door closes behind them. Scene. Hallway. The doors to a large freight elevator open, and the group exits out of the elevator into the hallway. I'm getting nervous, Jouse says. Are you sure they won't be scared of us, Jason? Mork answers. Don't worry. They have been given a pamphlet display with a program presentation that manages all their expectations appropriately. Does my tail look okay? Tara says. It's not bunched up too bad from the pilot suit, is it? Tara, it looks wonderful. Don't worry, Kit answers. They reach the doors to the mess hall and turn around to face each other. They stand for a moment to collect themselves. Rico is tapping his boot on the floor nervously and starting to cover the side of his head with his paw. Okay, are we all ready? Mork says while looking at Rico. Rico puts his paw back down and nods. Ready. Mork points out the open door button to Kit, who is closest to it. Kit smiles a big, goofy Kit smile and presses the button. The door opens. Scene. Reception Hall. The door opens and Mork and the pilots can be seen standing in its archway, tall and proud, wearing toothy smiles almost as white as Jason's fancy uniform. The hall is a large place with 18 tables of 8 chairs each and a large array of windows facing out into space on the far wall. A bar area is to the left, and tall, skinny doors to the kitchen are on the right. The tables are covered with white tablecloths and illuminated by spotlights of different colors over each table, giving a festive rainbow aesthetic to the room. A few high-top tables fill each of the room's corners nicely. The tablecloths are covered with plates, bowls, and a variety of drinking glasses, all of which are dirty and contain only small traces of the meal that they once contained.
Used silverware is gathered up into piles in the middle of each table. The chairs are empty and haphazardly placed. The room is quiet. A few pamphlet display screens are still turned on and glowing softly on the floor, chairs, or side tables where they were carelessly left to sit. Everyone's smiles descend slowly into a frown. Kit's especially big smile turns to a hopeless face of bewildered eyes and his ears sag down. Where is everybody? What the hell, Mark says. They just left? Tara inquires. Huh, figures, Rico says. Jouse and Romer both look at each other. Their backpack displays show question marks. Mork states, I'm sorry about this. Maybe they went to the hangar to show off the ships first? I mean, that, that really wasn't the plan. I, I'm not sure. Hey, why, why don't you just head back up to the commons area while I get to the bottom of this? I'll try to find out what's going on. Just, just give me a few minutes. The pilots hesitantly turn about face and shuffle slowly back down the hall while Mork steps inside the mess hall. He grabs a pamphlet display from one of the chairs and flips through the screen's pages a few times. His face grows stern. Oh, no. What did you do, General? What did you do? Ah! Morrick leaves the reception hall while typing on his arm computer. No, 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 you're not getting away that easily. I know where you are parked. VIP my ass. Scene. ABGC Commons. The door opens and the pilots make their way inside, still slowly shuffling their boots, drooping their shoulders, and hanging their heads. I don't get it, Kit says. I I thought we did really good. I really thought they would like us. Rico puts a paw on Kit's shoulder then walks past the TV and turns right to the cafeteria area. Jouse and Romer also walk past the TV and sit at a table where a board game in progress resides. Tara flops onto the couch and immediately picks up her music player. The camera focuses on Tara as she puts on her headphones and presses play. Kit walks to the TV and turns it on, then sits on the floor to watch. Kit turns around and looks at Tara with tears welling up in his big, soft eyes. Why don't they like us? starts sobbing 
runs over to a stool at the high counter, sits, and folds his arms around his head, crying. Tara starts to quietly cry, pulling her knees to her chest tightly. sets a tray of rations on the cafe table and sits down. Jouse watches Romer move his game piece on the board. Rico stands up aggressively, flipping the table up into the air, dumping his food all over the floor. A tear rolling down his face. When no one will look at you He grabs his chair and flings it to the other side of the cafe. He just stands, Maybe he'll come to me. breathing heavily with his back turned to the others. Maybe he'll come to me. You cheated! I was just there, Romer says. It was my turn, Jouse says. Jouse starts to cry and Romer pushes him, fighting back his own tears. Shut up! Don't you dare cry! Romer screams. Joust pushes back. The bears knock over the table and the board game and its pieces crash to the floor. The bears start roaring and clawing at each other. Tara holds herself more tightly into a ball on the couch. Tears rolling down her face and paws on her headphones. The furniture and floor shakes as the bears wrestle each other on the ground. Scene. Hangar Bay. General Delaney is standing in front of a terminal screen, repeatedly entering a series of numbers into the keypad. Morick approaches, and the general turns to acknowledge him. Morik, good. I'm glad you're here. This stupid machine is refusing my valet code. Morik answers. That's because I locked down your ship. 
perks of setting up the reservation for you in the first place, I suppose. Why don't you tell me why I just escorted a group of pilots to an empty reception hall? Oh, well, there was a time-sensitive political issue that some of the higher-ups... Nope, Mork interrupts. Don't even try it. I'm not buying any of your crap. Try again. The truth this time. Well, it was imperative that the delegates return to the... Just stop, Mork interrupts again. You forgot to put the original presentation back on the pamphlet displays. I know everything. This wasn't a military test at all. You are seriously trying to sell the new targeting protocol to civilian companies? It's none of your business who buys and sells what. Your job is to run this station, and if you get nosy, I can always call the MPs about your previous activity. You just humiliated our entire squadron of pilots. Why would you tell them they could meet everyone if they couldn't? And enough about calling the MPs already. I'm pretty sure that card is pretty well played out by now. Oh, no, it's not, the general says. You stole three cargo containers full of military ammunition. There is no time when that stops becoming a big deal. Mork interjects. Oh, come on. Let's be real here. I redirected that shipment of expired ammo to an approved partner site for use in a project you thought was a great idea. It's hardly the same thing as stealing, and you're just as guilty as I am, and you know it. I was just so scared of going to the brig, I couldn't see it back then. The general adjusts his posture slightly and says, Fine, fine. So you finally wised up. Okay. I'll tell you what really happened. Yes, CCRM was a great idea. Civilian construction retrofit modules. Forklifts, bulldozers, and the like, quickly outfitted with remote-controlled machine guns and missile launchers, it was a brilliant, low-cost, quick-response deployment solution. I knew the big brass would eat it up, but I couldn't get an audience with them to pitch the idea. At least, not until three cargo containers of ammo went missing. <laughs> that got their attention. And in only four days, I had a contract for CCRM. How do you think I bought my gorgeous special edition GTS? <laughs> you gave me the idea. And you gave me the foot in the door to sell it. All I had to do was keep you scared. <laughs> God, you're an asshole, Mork says. But I've got you now. All the proof I need is on this pamphlet presentation. I can't believe you are selling a top-secret military targeting system to civilian companies. The general takes a firmer posture and says, The targeting system is all on the books. It was never top-secret. But the pilots are. I can't let the buyers know the targeting system 
only works current state because it's running on a team of animal supercomputers. The pilots aren't part of the sales deal. I needed to buy some time to finish refactoring the protocol to standard hardware. And yeah, I told you and those pilots whatever you needed to hear to make sure the demonstration was a success. But the pilots stay secret at all costs. That hasn't changed. Now unlock my ship. <laughs> You're out of your goddamn mind, Mork says. I'm not unlocking your ship. You put a sales deal ahead of the actual military purpose and function of this station and those pilots. I'm the one who will be calling the NPs. And while I'm at it, I think I will schedule a 30-day convalescent leave for the whole squadron on Earth. The general gets angry. First off, yeah, I screwed you over last time. But this time, I'll cut you in for 20% to smooth things over. I saw the way you looked at that GTS. You want one too, don't you? Second, I wasn't joking about the pilots. You seriously can't tell anyone. Big Brass won't even have a conversation with you. They will just toss you in a hole and make you disappear if you squeak a word about them. Morick closes in on the general. 20%? No, no, no. More like 50%. I did all the work here. And yeah, okay. I would rather be rich than a narc. As for the pilots, what is the big deal? You probably think they're from the M19 mission. Yeah, no shit. They are giant talking animals. I'd have to be a complete idiot not to figure out that they are descendants of the tribes of M19. You didn't let me finish. Your smallest pilot friend didn't pass out from his last upgrade. He died. And then he came back. They're all immortals. And they aren't direct descendants of M19. They're more like uh, M19 adjacent. Holy shit. You're really serious. Why do you think the upgrade process is so intense? It's because their bodies heal too fast to just integrate with their nerves. We have to incinerate the nerve endings completely to stimulate tissue integration. It took them over a year working on the Rico twins before they figured it out. So they all know, Morick inquires. All the Ricos know for sure. I'm, I'm not too sure about the two bears. The foxes definitely do not know they were a control group. Mort corrects the general. They are not foxes. They are fennex. But, but still, how? I mean, everyone knows the story. The immortals were all lost in the war. The general squints and stares at Mort intensely. Look, I'm serious. Stop asking questions. You have to play the good soldier on this one, or the powers that be will end you. Okay, 
Okay. I believe you. I really do. But what is the big deal? Earth is well accustomed to the M19 tribes by now. So what gives? Why does our pilots being immortal make any difference? Have you ever heard of the Mobius Doctrine? No. Well, don't look it up. It will set off all sorts of red flags. But basically, in short, it was a study done after the war that outlines the complete deterioration of normal, mortal society when a being with a never-ending lifespan is introduced into it. People are weak-minded and panicky. People are unstable. But most of all, people are judgmental, especially about themselves. Most people's minds cannot separate the concept of being immortal with being perfect. Just one immortal being would cause massive hikes in suicide rates around the globe as people fail to come to terms with coexisting with perfection. Even for those that would remain, governments still lose all power and control. Everyone votes for the perfect immortal. Let alone six of them. It's not like the political competition can just kill them off, either. They don't die. The point is, if you talk about them, to anyone, you ruin Earth. Got it? Now, unlock my ship. Wait, Mark inquires. So... Why are you telling me this now? <laughs> well, I don't have to pay a 50% of anything if you go insane. Oh, did I forget to mention the Mobius effect is a million times worse if you meet an immortal in person? <laughs> Why do you think I've avoided being in the same room with them all these years? <laughs> Good luck with your freaks. Who knows? Maybe you'll even be the 0.1% that can handle it. But let's face it, probably not. Now unlock my ship. You're such an asshole, Mork says. The lights begin to flash and an automated voice comes over the PA. Oh, crap. Your little light show out there led them right to us. Ugh. Fine, get out of here before the hangar gets locked down. Mork types a few keys on his arm computer, and the valet display turns green. I've got to go talk to the pilots. Mork runs off towards the front of the hangar. Scene. Hallway. Morik runs through the hallway despite the alarm light's dizzying effect. He reaches the door to the ABGC commons area. He catches an extra breath or two and then opens the door.
Jouse and Romer are on the floor, fighting. Tara is rocking back and forth on the couch in a fetal position. Kit still has his head and arms laying on the high counter, and Rico is punching a food dispenser cabinet over and over in rhythm with the alarm. Mork's face turns to panic and confusion, and he hits the button to close the door. He crouches down in the hallway. He presses a button on his arm computer and speaks into it. The ABGC pilots are out of commission. Send station patrol to investigate the alarm. A voice answers over the radio comm. What? Mork answers back. Just do it! Mork presses a button on his arm computer to end the call and then begins rocking back and forth in the hallway floor, talking to himself. I... I can't even look at them. Oh, I... I can barely breathe. The general was right. It's... it's overwhelming me. There's a room full of immortal, angry, pissed-off gods on the other side of this door, and I can't wrap my head around it. I... I, I gotta get out of here. I gotta get out of here. The airlock. I should go to the airlock. Morik gets up and runs off camera. Thanks so much for listening to the Season 1 Finale! The song you heard in this episode is called Testing Each Other and can be found in our online store. We've skinnied down the store to just include t-shirts, digital images, and songs. The songs and images are just $1 each. Due to supply chain issues, T-shirts will need to be ordered several weeks in advance if you hope to get them before a party or certain event. Thanks again!